Adam Crowley Show. Wow, 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 he's very nice. ESPN Pittsburgh on 970 AM and 106.3 FM. Give me the Crowley Show, your mom, listen, you should 242 is the number to call. For you, the guy doesn't, follow me on Twitter, Adam, go Adam Crowley. How'd you kids? Tell you what, get ready up here. Abridged version? Yes. Right. Gotta get to Benzie. Tim Benz from Breakfast with Benz, the official vampire of the Crowley Show, joins us here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Tim, before we get into anything with the Steelers, this wall of fame here in the studio has made me realize one thing. There are not very many black people in the Pittsburgh media. we got to change that, man. Is this you being woke? Are you starting a movement? Yes, I am social justice warrior Crowley. We need diversity, and we have none in the Pittsburgh media market. Diddy Kinkabwala was in the Steelers media room today, and she was asking if there had ever been a female that was regularly in the Steelers media room aside from her. And I couldn't think of one, to be honest with you. I mean, does, like, aside does Missy from, count? Well, no, like, aside from Jamie Baker and Missy, um, Julie Pelusi is over there now, and she does the scoreboard stuff, but she's not in there on like a daily basis. Jamie's probably as close as it came to being in there regularly. Um, but there's not been a Monday through Friday or even full-time weekend female anchor that I can think of. John Burton is African-American. Stocky's on the wall. We're talking about Stocky's on the wall, right? Stocky's on the wall, and so is Charlie Batch, but that's that's all she wrote. I think Josh Taylor's going to get up there and Brian yeah, Hughes. Josh? Josh needs to be up there, but we, we've been kind of trying to leave out the fan guys. This is our hall. This is our wall. We don't want them a part of it. All right, he could be inducted on what he did. I don't know. No, well, look, it's like Ichiro. I put him in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, I guess he's going to go in both anyhow, but you get what I'm saying there. He'll go in based on his Channel 4 work. Does that sound well, good? Well, a couple, couple things, Adam. Like, you know, I, I understand you're championing this cause, but, you know, Josh works at the other station. What if the folks at our station are so impressed with the work that Josh does at that station that they decide to give him your job? Are you going to be suddenly so happy that... Uh, someone of African-American descent has been promoted? Like, or, or you become unwoke at that point? I will take my wall someplace else. If that happens, I will be happy. I will be happy for Josh. He's a very nice man. I think he's good at what he does. I will take this wall and I'll get the hell out of town. What have you heard, what, Tim? Yeah, what have you uh, heard? That's a good, uh, good, good question. I'm, not just, I'm going to leave that alone. I do have a question for Adam, though, because I heard your intro where you were talking really fast there. Is that because you heard that story on the DV Morning Show today? Is that the bit? Are you connecting the threads there? No, what happened on the DV Morning Show? Oh, no, Val had a story today on the DV Morning Show about how guys who talk really fast tend to get laid more. Wow. I, I never heard about that. Said. That sounds really good. Yeah. We should do, you do a fast-paced segment. That sound good for you? Wow, that's nice. <laughs> Want to talk faster? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I guess it's because they go so quickly, they can just move them in and out rapidly. I think that's how it works. They're just good-looking <laughs> guys who happen to talk fast. Maybe, maybe good-looking guys talk more quickly. That's what it is. There's always a chicken and the egg thing there, Tim. Yeah, right. I think that's, that's where I'm going with my argument. Hey, Tim, I talk more quickly than you do. <laughs> Maybe I do the other thing more quickly than you at this stage. Tim Benz, Breakfast with Benz, joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Tim, your thoughts on how the Antonio Brown situation has been handled. What do you think is the ideal handling uh, by Mike Tomlin of the situation? I mean, how has the Antonio Brown situation been handled by Steelers head coach Marvin Lew- uh, I mean, sorry, Mike Tomlin? Is that what you're getting? Because that's what this is. You, They are the Bengals now. 
Are we clear? Like, think about it. Consider the two coaches, right? One guy has been coaching in the AFC North for over a decade, has had a lot of playoff failures of late, including home playoff losses, has great regular seasons, regular season records, a ton of talent in the locker room, and can't get beyond a certain point in the playoffs. And the other guy is Marvin Lewis. Oh, God, that is so good, Tim. Uh, you don't have to speak fast. You can say that as slow as you want. It makes me want to bang you. Holy hell. Are you writing Are you writing that tomorrow in Breakfast with Ben's, or did I miss yeah. it today? You're writing no, it tomorrow. No, no. I, I might have been rehearsing my lead for my call. Oh, right God. I. Oh. You, go? you come on sometimes, Tim, and I get, oh, I'm so mad I didn't think of that. Oh, I'm so mad. That is a great take. I love it. And it's 100% true. Yeah, I, I know the resume, to quote Tomlin here, the resume is the resume. They put it on tape. So you can't take away his playoff victories, and you can't take away the two Super Bowl appearances and the championship. You can't. But, you know, since then, for the last 10 years, seriously, for the last 10 years, uh, they have been similar in that regard. It's just that, you know, the Steelers occasionally have won a playoff game or two along the way, including um, <laughs> being the other party to when the Bengals reached their peak about bengaling themselves. In that one game in Cincinnati, they have kind of gone down similar paths, and I think it's cresting right now. You got this wildly talented team that just can't get out of its own way, and you know this whole thing about the discipline with AB. Obviously, they weren't happy with the reason as to why he wasn't at uh, the team meetings on Monday, or else he wouldn't have been disciplined. Right. So my question is, if it's not worth him being sat down for a game to the point that he missed a team meeting after a loss on Monday, why bother disciplining him at all? Like, what are you doing? Are you disciplining whatever the discipline is? Are you disciplining him because his kid fell out of the treehouse and broke his arm and he had to go to the hospital because one of his parents fell ill because his wife got into a car wreck? I mean, probably not, right? So in other words, he gave you a BS excuse for not being there, and you're okay with it. And uh, I'm using second-timeism here. His body of work suggests that he needs to be disciplined. It's not ju- I don't think it should just be about missing the meeting. Some people are saying that. No. He's blown up on the sidelines three times that I can remember easily. You know, he's at the Facebook Live thing. This is a culmination of stuff with him. He threatened a reporter online. Uh, you know, he threatens to or dares the team to trade him online. This is a culmination. Well, I guess the question then becomes, Tim, how important is this Tampa game, right? Because I don't think they're beating Tampa Bay without him, and I think that that has to be factored in heavily into the decision. Yes, you could discipline him, but if you lose that football game, you're 0-2-1 against a couple of teams that I definitely marked down wins. In fact, I had the Steelers starting out the season 3-0. and um, You're going to have a really tough time making the playoffs that way, I mean, especially the way the second-half schedule sets up. Yeah, so did I. I had them at 10-6. and six. And I thought they'd be three and zero to start. So what does that tell you about my feeling about their playoff chances? Seven and right six now? down the stretch, baby. Uh, I I think it's a must win too. But you know, Adam, it's must win and it's must win. You know, if I'm yes. Bill Belichick, I don't discipline Malcolm Butler to the point that I never play him in the Super Bowl because <laughs> right. I think he hurts the New England Patriots. If I'm Mike Tomlin, I don't sit Le'Veon Bell for missing the walkthrough. Uh, before the AFC Championship game, because you needed him to help Calvin hang with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a crucial game, but at the same time, there's still 13 more of them. And if you just let Antonio Brown walk on over you again here, 
Maybe he walks all over you again in a more public fashion where you really need to discipline him somewhere down the line for week eight or week nine. Or Juju Smith-Schuster looks at what A.B. does, and then you're put in a similar situation with him because Juju thinks he can get away with something. Now, at some point, you've just got to you, you sit him down. You just have to. And it's still, this one of the three games, the one that goes to the is still Tampa. Uh, I, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube for the two AFC losses. The one, sorry, the one AFC loss and the one divisional tie. You can't. Um, I, I, I get where your point is, Adam. It's a huge game. I've wrestled with this myself, but I'm just saying, enough is enough. And the resume is enough with him. I think Tim, if they were to sit him, they lose, and then after that, I think the players because they're dumb. A lot of them, not all of them, obviously don't want to paint with broad brush. I think they would wind up blaming Tomlin for that loss, as opposed to Antonio Brown, the guy who's really culpable. I think that Mike Tomlin could risk losing the locker room even further. Yeah, this was very different in there today. It was about 180. It couldn't be more opposite than the sense that I got after Love Bell didn't show up before Cleveland. Uh, in fact, everybody went to Marquise Pouncey right away and said, Are you okay with this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love that guy, is what he said about Antonio Brown. I love that guy. Uh, he... Yeah, we don't know what's going on in his personal life. He talked to the powers that be, and yeah, I'm okay with him being out there on, on Monday night. And he sort of laughed at the assertion that he shouldn't be. Uh, okay, all right. Well, you know, he's one of the team leaders, so I guess if it doesn't bother him and it doesn't bother Ben, and I guess some of these hunky-dory, then okay, he better go out there and play and bowl out and show why he's worthy of all this confidence because let's get to that too. Adam, he has not been Antonio Brown no. in games, has he? He absolutely has not. And he's it's not, not getting open. Like nope. The big thing with A.B. always is, yeah, he makes these incredible toe-tap catches. He's got great hands. He adjusts the ball incredibly. And all of that, there, there isn't a flaw in his game. He plays bigger than what he is. Everything. But part of the reason he's as good as he is is that he gets himself open so well, and he has not been open as much as we are used to seeing, has he? No, and it's not for lack of trying for Ben Roethlisberger to get him the football, and that's one of the other things. Right, exactly. I mean, it's right up there uh, with anybody in the league, and uh, Tim, here's where I disagree with people who say, oh, talk about the defense, talk about the defense, that's a much bigger problem than A.B. No, I actually think this A.B. thing is a huge issue, because A.B.'s pouting, A.B.'s bitching to the offensive coordinator, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's hearing it, Ben threw into double coverage, then became triple coverage in game one where it's intercepted, he threw into coverage, and a guy came off his man, should have had an interception in the last game, Ben did throw a pick that was called back due to defensive holding, I think Ben tries to force A.B. the ball when A.B.'s acting a fool, and I think that negatively affects the team. Sometimes you have to give your best player a chance to make plays, but you don't always have to give your best player a chance to make plays. I agree with all that. I'll give yeah. you two other examples, too. Um, the Cleveland game, there's two back shoulder throws that they love to hook up on. Ben wasn't perfect with the ball on either of those throws. In the past, he hasn't had to be because the receiver was open enough to make the proper adjustment to finish the catch. And I, I agree, Ben has not been himself thus far, much like he was to start last season. But in this case, I don't think he's getting the help and when A.B. has forced Ben to throw him the ball in the past, it's almost been because he's so open, where would you go anywhere else? And he's not right now. I saw you know, two interesting things from Andy Benoit this week on Twitter from uh, SI, one of which was uh, he's asserting that if Ben throws the slant 
uh, near the end zone in that eight-snap sequence near the end of the game where they pulled within five points of the Chiefs. If he throws the slant to A.B., I think it was on a second down when he was open, instead of uh, trying to throw that covered pass to Juju where it fell incomplete, then we're not having this conversation right now because A.B. gets mm. a touchdown and he gets one more catch. Or maybe he's right there. Uh, the other thing that was frightening even though it was I don't know if you said the tweet where you said, I went back and looked through the film. Patrick Mahomes was really good, but he could have been better. He left a lot of the field. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> there was more to be had. Was there really? Oh, that's like, I haven't, done, I haven't looked at it from a Chiefs perspective in that regard, but there's more to be had. That's stunning. Yeah, Mason Rudolph's like, you can put up more points on this field. I know it, man. It can happen. Yeah, uh, I've been there. Yeah, right. Tim, I wanted to ask you about Burt and Ernie. Are you surprised? Because I was actually more surprised finding out that Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger were gay in Brokeback Mountain. You didn't know that? No, I can't. I, were they gay? Seriously? Well, was it too subtle for you when they were kissing in the tent? I mean, what did you not pick up on? That was just high school for me. Friendship. They were just hanging out. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that qualifies as homosexual activity, oh. yeah. So I'm going to say that that has crossed the line. I mean, I, I, hey, you have your friends, and I'm not judging here. The, the, the Bert and Ernie thing, <laughs> the funny thing to me was the children's television workshop. I guess their Sesame Workshop now. They've rebranded. But the children's television workshop that came out and said, they aren't people, they're puppets. Okay, I, yes. But, you know, Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog. Yes. Did get married, right? Yes, they porked. Yeah, so you can't tell me that those two. She had a frog like... in her throat. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of pork jokes you can make there, and I'm there not going to make any of them because I'm not going to get you in trouble on your show. But <laughs> I, I, I like. I, I can't remember who said this. If there's a tweet or might have been Croft on the morning show today. He said, if, it, "If Bert was really gay, he would have done something about that unibrow." <laughs> Tim, appreciate it, buddy. Uh, what do you got on tap for tonight? Uh, yeah, I just pulled into the South Park Clubhouse. It's Matt Woods and Craig Wolfley and I. We will be here until 9 o'clock. Uh, lots of breakdown of what's going to happen with Tampa. If they can replicate what Kansas City did against the Steelers, I'm very fearful that they can. And at the end, if we have a good show at the end, I'm going to leave. I'm going to do the last segment. I'm going to let Wolf and Williams do the last segment. And Wolf is going to wear my clothes like Ryan Fitzpatrick wore Deshaun Jackson's. I love it. Uh, we'll be listening, buddy. Thanks for the time. All right. Thanks, Adam. There he goes. That's Tim Benz. Uh, it just dawned on me now that for a long time I thought the Tunch and Wolf were kind of the Bert and Ernie of real life. Uh, I guess that's uh, that's out the window now. you well, got to rethink that analogy. Yeah. Changed my changed my whole way of thinking there. Hey, Chalooch. You want to play center tonight? You want to snap one off? Coming up next, Chris you were, Adamski. You we're supposed to stop. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so disappointed in you. Go ahead, Chris Adamski. Coming pulling up next. No. Pulling guards. Oh no. no. Coming up next, Chris Adamski. Of the trip. To talk about Muppets and football, Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Of 
Chris Adamski going to join us in a few moments here on the Crowley Show. First, this tweet from Vin. I promise there is something mental that no one knows going on with A.B. If he has a bad year, does he lose his status in Steeler history? For $16.7 million a year, yes, we expect more, but there is something going on we don't know about. I'll agree that there is something going on because in OTAs, in minicamp, he was really acting weird. And by that, I mean he wasn't there. Uh, A.B. craves football. There was something going on then that he didn't want to talk about that someone was prying into that then made him flip on the media. But that being said, it does not excuse missing a work day and not telling your employer about it. It does not excuse him not showing up on Monday and not telling Mike Tomlin. That's just the reality. If he had something going on, he should tell the coach, and the coach should be able to go to bat for him. Mike Tomlin didn't go to bat for him yesterday at the press conference. He didn't go to bat for him today when he said he's been disciplined. Obviously, that means he was perturbed. There might be something going on, but if there is, it's incumbent upon Antonio Brown to tell the important people the important information. Speaking of important information, we have been, I think, creating social change today on the show. Yes, we have. We've got our Wall of Fame up in here. There are only two black men on the Wall of Fame, and that is not good. Uh, Pittsburgh needs more black people to work in the media. There needs to be more inclusion. More diversity. And it all starts with this wall. It does. Andrew Stocky up on the wall. Brian Hughes going up momentarily. There will be an induction ceremony. Also, we've been talking about social change through the prism of the Muppets. <laughs> I like the fact that Muppets are gay. I think this gives children the courage to come out whenever they can see happy Muppets being gay in a happy relationship. I also think Cookie Monster tells a troubling tale of addiction and why you don't want to be addicted to anything. Homelessness with Oscar the Grouch living in a trash can. You can learn a lot from Sesame Street. We're bringing that to you here on the Crowley Show. And birds are tall. Learn that on there, too. I don't know where that fits in. No, but I learned it on there. I guess accepting, being accepting of someone who's different than you. Yes, that's it. A big yeah. eight-foot bird. Giant-ass bird. Be friends with him. <laughs> yes. If if you walk into your school one day, kids, and you see a giant-ass bird there, please. Do not treat him differently. You no, know, sit down at his lunch table. Just talk to him. I, <laughs> I do wonder who would win in a fight between Bert, pardon me, between Ert, nope, not Ernie either, between Elmo and Kermit. Kermit, thank yeah. you, Jesus. Man. Too many damn Muppets in my head today. Whoever thought I'd be talking Muppets on the show. Yeah. Adamski, Chris Adamski joins us now from the trip. Who would win in a fight between those two, Adamski? I mean, Kermit seems to have a temper. I don't know if we ever saw that side of Elmo, so uh, if I want... Somebody in the dark alley with me. Somebody has my back. I want the guy who's just a little bit unstable at times. Hmm. And I feel like Elmo is, you know, has his crap together for as what it is. One more Muppets-related question. Does yeah. Oscar ever leave the trash can? Have we ever seen his, uh, as we refer to Bert and Ernie, they, wasn't there some part of the statement that they have nothing from the waist down and maybe... Literally, Oscar maybe doesn't. We don't. We have no evidence, right? Well, this is uh, getting this is getting I, too disturbing I, for gonna, me. I'm going to look I, it up. I, I, my yeah. favorite Muppets, though, are the two old guys in the balcony that just heckle everybody. Okay, so best. we're going to get into the Steelers in a second. Here, we think that the two guys yelling down from the balcony. The one guy's name is Waldorf. I mean, he sounds like he's 87 years old. Those guys <laughs> are probably anti-gay. It probably made it that much harder for Bert and Ernie to come out. <laughs> Imagine what. From their from their balcony, what they would have yelled down. It's uh, 
At, at those two, I guess. Uh, I don't well, actually though, but they were the Sesame Street Muppets ever part of the Muppet program where Waldorf and the other guy? Maybe. How can nobody question those two? All right, we're going to put that one up here on the poll, too. Uh, our Waldorf and Zippo, or whatever the Statler, hell his name is. Statler. Statler. Our Statler and Waldorf gay. Yeah. I will put that one up here, too. Uh, Adamski, do you think the Steelers, by not suspending Antonio Brown, would be doing the right thing? By not suspending? I, I, yeah. Oh, man, that, that's an open end. You know, I, it, I don't even consider it. Well, did you think I, I wasn't going to ask you that question, Adamski? Did I, did I, did <laughs> I lull you to about... sleep with the Muppet talk? Yeah, I thought we were going to talk about the lack of Jalen Samuels usage here or something. Uh, I, I don't know what. Um, <laughs> Hybrid linebackers. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, 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 a suspension for an entire game seems like a lot to me. You know, you're talking to, you're talking a benching, you're talking a, you know, a series, a half, something like that. I, I think that could, would serve them, would serve the issue well, I think, overall and sort of quell. I mean, a lot of this, you learn about this. This is a lot of this is more almost you know window dressing for everybody else than it is for. I mean, it's really gonna make a difference to the team that much. I, I guess you could say there's an example set a line drawn the sand, something like that. I don't know. I I kind of feel like this is all like a, a petri dish that went 13 and three last year. It was all kind of cute when all the drama happened because they went 13 and three, and you know people didn't really care that much. I guess, but when you're 0 one and one and things start going down. Uh, did that lead you to that? I don't know, but we're going to see if it, if this continues this record and they're not, uh, you know, leading the division by November, uh, whether all this is going to start to add up and, and, uh, you know, make things worse. That's where I come down. Uh, I think that it would make it worse if you were to suspend an Antonio Brown. Uh, I don't think you can cut off your nose to spite your face. And to that end, Chris, I mean, is this a must-win game? Here comes the cliched radio question after the Muppet badgering. Uh, is it a must-win on Monday? I think it absolutely is. If you can't beat any of these three teams, uh, Kansas City looks pretty good, but you can't beat any of these three teams, I think you're going to have a tough time on the back end of the schedule with how tough it is to put together a, a resume to get to the playoffs. Yeah, I don't even know if it's a matter of what, what, who the three teams are at this point. It's just that the, the, eventually the maps start catching up to you. You're, you're 0-2-1. and one, You don't have to win through three weeks. I don't care if you got the easy, soft part of your schedule or not. At some point, you got to start, you know, stacking wins. Use another cliche. Uh, because it's going to, you know, and the Steelers, to their credit, generally until these last two seasons, had always started slower, improved throughout the season. Right, I mean, we can go back to the start of 0 four and recovering to go eight and eight, and, and there's, there's more than that. Even the the, the 9 season when they finished eight and eight, they, they started poorly and and re, we're going to fall the way back. We're back to 06, and that's another you know another dimension. Bill Cowher was still here, but they started two and six and finished eight and eight. They seem to always get better throughout the season. However, you know, there's a point where you can't you can dig yourself too big of a hole and you can't make up ground and and. I don't know. Are, are the are the Bengals and Ravens and and Brown the Browns are certainly better than they have been. I don't know if that starts to win the division yet, but you're already uh, you know blew one of your chances for a win with an automatic win here the past three years. Uh, so if they, you know all that was going to matter is win the division, and you know if they've got nine six and one or whatever it might be and still win the division, get the four seed at that point. You're uh, you know you're rolling the dice in the postseason anyway. The defense, Adamski. You look at it as a scheme issue or is it a talent issue? Do you think? Um, 
I think at this point it's still talent. Uh, I think that the scheme is an issue in respect to, you know, whether they want to admit it or not, there, there's definitely a, a level of confusion, a definitely a level of the communication. That, yeah. You know, whether it's explicitly just, you know, guys aren't in the right spot or whether it's kind of cumulative and more sort of they're still learning everything about it and they haven't perfected it or fine-tuned it yet. Uh, you know, you can parse where they're at on that spectrum, but the, it's definitely leading to whether it be the the exotism. Is that an A-B word? Is that a real word? I don't know. That's uh, an A-B word, but I will allow it. <laughs> we'll allow, uh, of what they're trying to do or just the, the, the newism, another made-up word of, of what they're trying to do, or, or the newism of all the players that they, you know, in the secondary they have especially, uh, the new personnel trying to assimilate. There's a lot of factors going on there. So I, I think you can... At least, if you're an optimist or you're a Steelers fan or you're the Steelers, you can talk yourself into believing that this will sort of work itself out. Also, I want to say this. Now, the defense, Same. yes, the people are sort of going off this, about how bad this defense has been. It's been one, it was one game, okay? I mean, the, the well, you don't factor in last year at all into that? I, I, I get it. I, I see what you're saying. But, uh, you know, they. I think we talked a week ago, or at least people were, you know, I know it was around, and they tied. <laughs> Damn it. But, but you got it, me. The, the, defense didn't, the defense was sort of a positive at that point. And the, and the Chiefs, we'll see. There's only two games for them, too. And Mahomes' mania might, you know, flame out. But the Chiefs look like a pretty dang good offense. So we're talking about one bad game here with this group of deep defenders, okay? Which, which not, and yes, I am just like everybody else. And they can look good, and I'm not exactly bullish on their prospects for the rest of the season. However, it is only one game that they've looked bad right now, and that could turn around in a hurry if they, you know, if there's reason to, if they put up a good game against Fitzpatrick and the Buccaneers, who have looked like, you know, Dan Marino in 84 with Mark Duper and whoever else so far, then maybe you feel a lot better about things. Can they beat Tampa Bay if AB wasn't going to play? I guess I, well, I guess I could phrase it differently because they could certainly fine. I mean, it's the NFL. Well, I mean, yeah, anybody yeah, can beat yeah. anybody, but would they? Do you think? Well, that's you know, <laughs> not to go off the board here, but I mean, AB hasn't been the number one receiver really the first two weeks of the season. Yes, uh, but if AB's not playing, then Juju Smith-Schuster yeah, is getting yeah, okay. that coverage, and it's Fair. it's 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 assastic for him probably. And, <laughs> an excellent point. Uh, so you're probably right. Yeah, at this point, they're probably going to need. Every, they're, you know, well, they're already down at all pro from their offense. So you, you subtract another one, uh, you know, the, 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 the attrition is going to catch up with them here one way or another. Adamski? Actually, we're not two all pros. The Castro might not play either. So they'll be down all pros over the play. Chris, I really appreciate the time, man. Thank you for talking Muppets and Stillers with me. Yeah, and I have a little bone to pick. How come I'm on your board? The board is a big topic of conversation now. The bulletin board with the pictures and stuff and – um, you know, we saw a lot of faces were missing from the board. I'm kind of hurt that I'm not on, not on your board. Okay, so a lot of people have raised this problem. <laughs> uh, the, here's here's what we did wrong. Uh, we tweeted out the biggest board, but we have four different boards in here that are uh, all okay. covered up with faces. And in fact, I'm trying to locate you right now, Adamski. You okay. are in. He's here. on the big board. He's right okay. there next to Yoey. Wait a second! Yeah, he's you're on, the, on big the big board. board. He I'm saw his picture. Board? Yeah, he's yeah. on the main the main wing of the uh, Hall of Honor. Yeah, actually, you're not going to like this, probably Adamski, but there's <laughs> there's a picture of Josh Yoey holding his child up, and then there's a picture of you holding both of your children up right next to each other on the big board. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I take back everything I've said and what I've been saying all day about you. I mean, what? <laughs> now we have okay. 
when you're with, because I don't go down to the facility anymore. I'm a lazy son of a bitch, so I, I'm not in there. I'm not talking with the people. You tell them, uh, who every every single outlet that you have down there, you tell them to hire more black people, man, because we've only got two black people on this entire wall, and that's not our problem. That's Pittsburgh media's problem. What happened to diversity, man? It ain't out there. We went digging. How many women are on your board? A million. I mean, there's, there's women all over the place. Two. All over the place. Wendy Bell doesn't oh, okay. count. No, Wendy Bell's on the board, but we... She shouldn't. Jamie Baker's up there. Tall Kathy. We got we got Michelle Michaels from DVE. We got Abby from the X. We got Peggy Finnegan. We got Dejan Kovacevic's wife. Tall Kathy. Yeah, there's a lot of women, but only two black people. So you go down there. You tell them to change their hiring policies. Okay, Adamski. All right, I'll get on that. All right, pick that bone, baby. See you. Thank you, Adam. The Crowley Show for good. I mean, that's what this is. It really is. I mean, we are making the world a better place, one show at a time, one wall at a time, one bit at a time. Coming up next, the hottest take of the day, three stars of the show, and other crap. He's in Pittsburgh. Just because he graduated WVU doesn't mean he's educated, but he does know sports. It's Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh at 970 AM and now at 106.3 FM. Everybody was comfy Hottest take of the day, other crap, three stars of the show upcoming. We got to Devin first. What's up, man? Hey, man. On the Sesame Street talk. Y'all never saw uh, Dave Chappelle cone him softly? I don't think I have seen that. Tom probably has. Yeah, I have. It's hilarious. And, uh, I know where you're going and he was talking that. about, they always say, can you show me how to get to Sesame Street? And he wouldn't go if you showed him the way. Because they got six foot pigeons walking around and those things on heroin, like, hi, bird. I need a hit, bird. And he was talking about Cookie Monster, and he said, uh, he was like, Cookie, Cookie, Cookie. He was like, Ugh, get away from me. I don't want no cookies to do that to you. Appreciate and then he was, talking, he was talking about the count. He was like, they had pimps and everything. He was like, how many times must they slap you to get my money? One slap, two slap. <laughs> Thank you for the contribution, Devin. You nailed it. The Count always had ladies hanging around, too. He well, did. He did. He did. Oh, wow. Hey. Count was a pimp. I mean, he wasn't only sucking blood, that Count. <laughs> it's time for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. <laughs> if Bert and Ernie are gay, then didn't Sesame Street do it perfectly? <laughs> They never said anything about it. They were roommates. They loved each other, and they didn't shove it down people's faces. Isn't that what the crusty bigots always say? Dove it, don't ever shove it down my throat. I suppose pun intended. Well, Sesame Street didn't. Just like Rowling didn't with Dumbledore being homosexual. If you can't handle that, look in the mirror. Dumbledore was homosexual? What? The Muppets didn't choose to be gay. Dumbledore didn't choose to be gay. Nobody does. But you can choose to be intolerant. Think twice, buttwads. That was the hottest take of the day. Woo! Other crap. I mean, I don't want to split hairs, but like technically somebody made the puppets, so there was a choice. I'm just saying. I'm not I don't mean to split hairs. I'm not this is these are Muppets we're talking. Are you telling me that there was 
an omnipotent creator that made them the way that they oh, were going to be I made. See where uh, yes, I was. Yep, and you have put you have painted me uh, sufficiently into a corner. You were right. I'm sorry. It has been a combined 1,000 days since Pitt basketball won a conference game and since the Browns we're won a football game. days now. Well, you're running out of time here. It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's uh, third star of the show, <laughs> diversity. That makes three black people on our wall. That's not enough. Still not enough. But it's better than two. We're breaking barriers up in here. Society is just staring us in the face right here in this room. I think we can change the world based on muck. Or, or let me let me rephrase that. I think we can change the world through two different mediums. Yeah, the wall, mm-hmm. and with Muppet analogies. Why not? I think we can change the world through Muppets and this wall right here. I mean, we got women. We got a lot of white guys. Aditi, Aditi. Yeah. Aditi's not, she's not white, right? I mean, can I speculate? Am I allowed to speculate? Her yeah, last name's Kinkabwala. K- I mean, yeah, yeah, you can speculate. And like Indian, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Muppet Pride. Second star. Tonight's second star of the show Sesame Street. We're so mad that Bert and Ernie are gay <laughs> on a show where there's a bird that's eight. Foot nine. I mean, this bird's dunking on Shaquille O'Neal, and we're all upset because Bert and Ernie have a gay relationship. They're roommates. They live together. There's old guys in the balcony insulting everyone. There's there's pigs and 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 frogs going full carnal knowledge on each other, and you're worried about Bert and Ernie. We have a little green dude stuck in a trash can yelling, which you know what? Now I kind of feel like is just a microcosm of our society. I mean, we have a giant blue monster who's literally addicted to cookies, a.k.a. crack, on Sesame Street. It's disgusting. We should breach addiction here. I agree. Someone should really get that guy help. Do you think he's got diabetes? It's been like 40 years. All he eats is cookies. We got problems on Sesame Street, right? And the gay thing is the furthest thing from the... I mean, there's there's a, there's a freaking vampire! <laughs> there's a guy who lives in a trash can. Uh, it's not Can we get him a house? <laughs> Homelessness, big problem. Yep. Bloodsuckers, big problem. Yeah. Opioid addiction, big Huge problem. Huge problem. Yep. Being gay, it's totally natural. <laughs> get a job, Oscar. What Third a star. Third star. And tonight's first star of the show, Statler and Waldorf. I will guarantee you one thing. Those guys in the balcony, they wanted none of that. Those two old men in the balcony. Oh, no. Yeah, you know they wanted none of that. They were Trumpsters. Yeah, they they went all Mago and Bert and Ernie. (laughs) What are you two fruits doing in there? Oh, no. What are you doing down there? Get out of the bathtub, Bert and Ernie! They're not very tolerant, those two men on the balcony. No, they are not. But nobody knows their names. And I think that this is good for the gay youth in America, for the LGBTQ community. The two guys in the balcony, they're only known as the guys in the balcony. Bert and Ernie, super gay. We all love them. Just for the record, they were just wrestling. Who let the dogs out? Yes, they were wrestling with society not being able to accept who they really were, Brian. Oh, look, I see what you did. Oh. Coming up next, <laughs> you've got Countdown to kick off with Tim Benz, Matt Williamson, and Craig Wolfley. We did talk Steelers today. 
Even though you don't, you may not think so by the three stars, we talked a lot. Yeah, I want credit for that. Yeah. Good call, Brian. 90% of the show today was football. <laughs> yeah. The other 10%... Gay Muppets. Was what you just heard. Yeah. Yes. And The Wall. And Bait Click, which apparently thing is up. 